you will, please turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, we're continuing in our sermon series on the greatest chapter in the Bible, Romans chapter 8. can be found on page 944 in the Bibles in the chairs in front of you. Uh, let me also ask if you will hold your place there and turn back one book to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to look at a passage there as well. And as you're finding those places, I just want to make mention of two things. First is we're really thankful and we please welcome the, the new folks to the family of God here at Cornerstone, our new members. We're thankful for you. We're going to have another new members class coming up in the new year, and so if that's something that you're interested in, you can come talk to me or one of the elders, and we're happy to have you participate in that. Uh, also tonight, um, this, this year, in fact, it was October 31st in the history of the church that we have celebrated the Reformation. So this year marks the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. And so the churches of North Alabama and our Presbytery, Providence Presbytery, we are getting together to have a joint Reformation service at Southwood Presbyterian Church. And so the session would like to encourage and invite everyone to join us, if you can, this evening at 6 o'clock. Romans chapter 8, our passage of study this morning will be verses 26 and 27, just two verses. This is the word of our Lord. Likewise... The Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what we for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Let's pray. Our God and our Father, we pray that you would open our eyes and help us to spiritually discern the things that are revealed to us by your Spirit here. We thank you for the truth that is contained in your word. And Father, we thank you here for the truth that the Holy Spirit who dwells in believers has a wonderful ministry. So Lord, help us to see that ministry. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. As I get older, I'm not as old as like Gary Abernathy, but I'm getting older. I saw you looking away, I had to mention you. (laughs) I'm groaning a lot more now. I'm just groaning. I groan a lot. I'm a groaner. I'm here to confess that to you this morning. Why does it have to hurt to get out of bed in the morning now? How come after I've been sitting in my recliner watching a football game, it hurts to get up? How come I'm... I'm so sore after a round of golf the previous day or going on a hike. Are any of you a groaner like me? Uh, Can anybody identify with that? Um, Groaning is mentioned in Romans chapter 8 many times, three times actually, here in Romans chapter 8. The first time in verse 22, the Apostle Paul mentions groaning in connection with the creation that he is personifying The creation is longing to be restored to its former glory, and so the creation waits, it it groans, the Apostle Paul describes it that way. In verse 23, he goes on to add that not only does creation groan, but we, the church, we, the people of God, we 
groan as we wait for our full and final and complete redemption of all things that, yes, will include the restoration of our bodies, no more groaning from pain. And now here in verse 26, we find a third groaning mentioned, and that is the groaning of the Holy Spirit who dwells within those who are in Christ. And so why is why is groaning mentioned here? You know, what is a groan? Why is groaning necessary? Groans are agonized longings. Uh, groanings are literally things that can't be put into words, so we groan. Groaning is usually associated with being tired or sore, or maybe even upset. Groaning is this an inarticulate way to to explain or to express the pain or despair that we may be feeling. We groan because often we don't know what to say or how to express our feelings or even how to react. But here in verse 26, there is a groaning that is expressed. But it's not like the groaning of creation that Paul mentioned before, nor is it like the the groaning that we might express from being sore or tired or upset. But it's the groaning of the Holy Spirit of God who dwells within believers that the Apostle Paul is talking about here. And so here in these two verses, verses 26 and 27, Paul is, he's circling back to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8 indeed has much to say about the ministry of the Holy Spirit and what he's up to in our lives. In these two verses, the Apostle Paul wants to highlight, as he has been for this whole chapter, the mega importance of the Holy Spirit and how we don't need to forget his ministry and his work in our lives. And so the Holy Spirit's ministry is one of the most important things in the life of a believer after faith in Christ. Later in Ephesians, Paul says to that church that the Holy Spirit is the deposit of guaranteeing our inheritance, our hope of glory. And so we need to be aware of the Holy Spirit and his ministry in our lives. And so the reason that the Apostle Paul is, again, going back to the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and he's writing this to the the Christians who are in Rome, is he wants to give them assurance. And indeed, this whole whole book, this whole, this whole chapter here, Romans chapter 8, is about the assurance that we have in the Lord. And we need to be strengthened in our faith. We need to be assured, and it's the ministry of the Holy Spirit that does this. Just like when we might hit a rut in sports, or we might uh, be hit a, hit a difficult time, or struggling in our work, or in our parenting, and our home lives, no matter what that may be, oftentimes we just need to get back to the basics. You know, the basics of where we experience success, the basics of what God says that we must do in life. And so likewise, Paul is he's going back to the basics here of the Christian life. And so here again, he reminds the Romans Christians, here's the basics about the Holy Spirit that you need to know that are to encourage you. But just by way of the reminder, the things that we've covered about the Holy Spirit in Romans chapter 8 include the ministry of adoption. It's the Holy Spirit which by declares that we are children of God. We have the spirit of adoption if we are in Christ. 
We have the Spirit's power at work in our lives, that mighty power of God that enables us to say no to sin, to put sin to death, and to say yes to righteousness, to live holy for God. It's the Spirit's power in us that helps us to do that. And now here we see, again, a further ministry of the Holy Spirit, whereby He helps us in prayer and He intercedes before God the Father. These are all the wonderful things that the Holy Spirit does to us, It does for us. So let's look here in these two verses at the further ways the Holy Spirit of God ministers to us. There are three things in particular. The first is the Spirit helps us in our weakness. The second, the Spirit intercedes for us. And the third is the Spirit intercedes for us according to the will of God. Let's look at those three things laid out very clearly for us in these verses. The first is the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We have help. Because we are weak and we have not yet experienced the full redemption of our bodies, we who are helpless and hopeless creatures, we must rely totally and completely upon the Lord to sustain us and lead us. We are, in fact, as people of God, we are needy people. We need the Lord. That is what Paul has been teaching in this passage. In the preceding passage that we looked at last week, it was the the hope of glory. The hope of glory that we have in Christ that sustains us in our suffering. How 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 are needs met in our suffering? It's this future hope that we look forward to. But here our neediness is further elaborated by the fact that we have and need the Holy Spirit to sustain us in our weakness in our infirmities, in our mortality. And he does this in the most profound and meaningful way. The Holy Spirit of God comes and helps us through groaning prayer. Groaning prayer. We're going to talk about that more in a moment. The word the Apostle Paul uses to describe our weakness is a very comprehensive term that can characterize pretty much anything and everything that reminds us that we are, we are finite, we are frail, we are mortal creatures. We are not everlasting, all-wise, infinite, holy beings like God is. We are finite. He is infinite. And yet our weakness, our frailty, the fact that we are finite, the fact that we are not God, shows us that we are helpless and that we are unable to do anything to improve our sinful condition, our mortal condition. We we need the Lord. We need Him. Our weakness is so comprehensive that even our prayers suffer. Even our prayers are weak. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt that your prayer life was just blah? Have you ever felt like you just can't pray? And that when you want to pray, you don't even know what to pray? Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt just completely weak and helpless in prayer? Well, this is where the amazing grace of God comes into our lives and to assure us here again that the Holy Spirit 
is our great helper, Jesus says. He is the helper, and he will come to us and help us when we are weak. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. In our weakness, our weakness is that great reminder of the power and the grace of God in our lives that God can use even our weakness to help us and to show us his strength. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12 that I asked you to earlier just to hear Paul elaborates on this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10, here's what the Apostle Paul says about this. So to keep me from becoming conceited, that is, to keep him from bragging, because of the suppressing greatness of the revelations, in other words, I think we can all agree, God revealed to Paul some pretty amazing stuff, some pretty helpful stuff about everything in the Christian life. This was revealed to the Apostle Paul, and so he says, the Lord is going to help me to keep from becoming prideful and puffed up here. What did the Lord do? A thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. So whatever this thorn in the flesh was, God was using it to demonstrate to Paul, even though you know all these awesome things, you are weak. Because he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power, God's power, is made perfect in weakness. Paul says, therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecution, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. How encouraging, how assuring it is for the believer that in our weakness, when we are discouraged, when we are sad, when we feel lost and helpless and depressed, the Holy Spirit is our help. He helps us in our weakness. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help. In times of trouble, the psalmist proclaimed, the Holy Spirit is there to help us in our weakness. Though we are weak, He is strong. The second thing about the ministry of the Holy Spirit is that He intercedes for us. In verse 26, the Spirit Himself intercedes for us, Paul says, because we often feel weak and helpless and many times we don't know what to pray for. The Spirit intercedes for us. The Spirit comes to the rescue to help us. And how exactly does the Holy Spirit help us in our prayer? Paul explains something very mysterious. He says the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Or some of your translations may say the Spirit intercedes for us with groanings that words cannot explain. This is an amazing truth here. This is an amazing fact about the ministry of the Holy Spirit that teaches us that the grace and the power and the love of God in our lives is so amazing and so wonderful and 
so comprehensive that not only do we have the Son of God, our Lord Jesus Christ, interceding for us in the throne room of grace, saying, this child belongs to you, O Lord. I have bled and I have died for him. We even further have the Holy Spirit, who is the great intercessor also before God in our lives, to take our feeble, our our finite, our weak prayers and perfect them and take them up to the throne room of grace with expressions and with words and in ways that we could never do. Have you thought about that? We need to ponder that for a minute. That not only do we have the Son of God as our great intercessor in the throne room of heaven, we have the Holy Spirit of God who, who lives in us and who perfects our prayers. What great encouragement and hope is that for us who feel like we are too weak to pray and and not eloquent enough to pray. I do not believe, though, that these groaning prayers of this groaning of the Spirit is some secret prayer language. I think that that false teaching has made its way out there into the church in some ways, that there's this extra special prayer language that Christians need to learn in order to be super-duper Christians or something like that. That's a false and dangerous teaching because these groans that is mentioned here are not from us. They're from the Spirit, the Spirit of God who lives in us. Perhaps, possibly, in points, maybe in ways that we don't understand that these groanings come out in some unintelligible way, But I believe that these groanings are a way in which our bodies, our hearts, our minds register the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so Paul wants us to know, he wants us to understand that the Holy Spirit is a very real help in our lives. And we didn't know the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And sometimes the way this works its way out is through these groanings that are too deep for words. If there were some sort of secret prayer language that we needed to learn, then I think Jesus would have told us about it, and he would have told us how to do it. But rather, he was very clear in his teaching on prayer in Matthew chapter 6, the Lord's Prayer. That teaching on how to pray is not ambiguous. We are shown exactly how to pray in the Spirit through the Lord's Prayer. The late theologian John Murray says that we can think of this groaning that's too deep for words as the media that the Holy Spirit uses in intercession as our prayers ascend to the throne room of grace in the form of groanings or unuttered speech. So these groans are probably best understood metaphorically. Yes, there may be an audible sound or some longing in our prayers that comes out. But it's best to understand that the Spirit intercedes for us because when we are unable to pray to God and know His will, it is the Holy Spirit who comes in and perfectly prays to God on our behalf in accordance with God's will and not ours. Again, what an amazing grace that we have here in our lives. Christianity is not about being a perfect person. 
It's not about being someone who can pray these awesome prayers. Christianity is about relying on a perfect God who is so gracious that he even intercedes for us in our prayers. Derek Thomas said this, he says, prayers that are badly expressed, prayers that are not really expressed at all, prayers that are just longings and aspirations or groans, these prayers are fixed on their way up to the Father. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that wonderful? That God is so good to us in our weakness that he even helps us in our prayers by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And the last thing, the third thing there is the Spirit intercedes for us according to the will of God. And why is that important? Well, because God is holy and he is in perfect communion with the Trinity and in the Trinity will and will listen and respond according to his will. What great hope is it here that in verse 27, that he, that is God the Father, who searches hearts and knows what is the mind of the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. How amazing is that? That God the Father, God the Spirit, God the Son are at work always in our lives to help us even according to God's will. You know, Christianity is often made to sound like a magic formula. You know, you pray the right prayer, do the right thing, voila, you get everything you want. We need to be careful of that. Because here the teaching is here that it's the Holy Spirit who moves, who works in the life of a believer to will and to act according to God's purposes, not ours. It is He who works in our lives to will faith in us to trust in the Lord and to know his will. The Spirit intercedes for us according to the will of God. And therefore, we are to pray according to God's will. And thank God for this, because we can often become lost and errant in our prayers. We don't want to pray outside of God's will. Too often, simple, mindless Christianity teaches that we can pray whatever we want, and God will make it happen. But this is not what the Bible teaches. What does it mean to pray according to God's will? Our prayers and the intercessions of the Spirit in our lives must be according to the written word of God, which is His will. And so this is good news. Because when we pray for what we should not do, or what, what we don't want God, what God shouldn't do, or what is not good for us, that's That's encouraging that God is going to work even in spite of us. That he's going to accomplish his goodwill. And oftentimes that's like saying no to our prayers. That's why in James he says, you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly. You're trying to spend what what you want your, your prayers answered according to your passions and not the will of God. And so we need, Lord, we need the Holy Spirit to help us to pray according to the will of God. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. One scholar says it this way, when we do not know what to pray for, yes, even when we pray for things that are not best for us, we need not despair, for we can depend on the Spirit's ministry of perfect intercession 
on our behalf. That is such good news. Think of it this way in verse 27. This is the way I believe God may work here. God, it is God the Father who searches our hearts. And in his sovereign omniscience and his omnipresence, in doing so, he knows everything about us. He knows what is in our hearts. He knows our longings. He knows our weaknesses. He knows the things that are good for us, even when we don't know the things that are good for us. He knows what we ought to pray, even when we don't know what to pray. And the Holy Spirit manifests these things in the form of groanings, and and He intercedes for us and expresses these groanings and these longings before God the Father in such a way that it always meets God's approval and His understanding. Isn't that amazing? That the Holy Spirit is working in the life of a believer in ways we can't even comprehend, yet in ways that we need. Think about how wonderful and how glorious And how loving God is that even in our weakness, when we are at a loss and we don't know what to pray, God does not look at the quality or the eloquence of our prayers or the the beauty of the words that come out of our mouths or or the perfect, precise way that we form our request. None of that is the measure of God's grace to us. He looks at the Holy Spirit within us. And it is the knowledge and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit that makes intercession for us in the most beautiful, profound, and loving way. When we are weak, even in our prayers, the Holy Spirit of God is strong. How wonderful it is that we have not only have an intercessor in heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ, but we have an intercessor in our hearts. The Holy Spirit interceding to the Father on our behalf and our prayers. This is the type of truth that we need to hear. And this is the type of truth that was revealed to the Apostle Paul. And that led him to say at the end of Romans chapter 11. Oh the depths of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. How great is the love of God toward us even better than we can imagine. I want to close with some encouragement that I think we all could use in prayer because that is essentially what this, these verses are about, the ministry of prayer that the Holy Spirit has in our lives. Because even though He is there working in us to will and to act according to the will of God the Father, yet we are still called to pray. We are still called to participate and to pray, to commune with God through prayer. And so the late James Montgomery Boyce, he taught this, some important lessons about prayer from these verses, and I want to use these from him. The first is, he says, we're supposed to pray. We're called to pray. To be a Christian is to be a man or a woman of prayer. Prayer is one of the greatest spiritual disciplines of the Christian life. And even more so, we are called to pray. We are commanded to pray, to pray without ceasing. And we know and we need to believe that anything God commands, it is for our good. It is for His glory and our good. 
And even when we fail to do prayer poorly, we're called to do it. Because God has promised that we will be spiritually richer if we do it. Secondly, we need to acknowledge that prayer is not easy. It's not easy. Let's be honest, nothing in the Christian life is easy. Prayer is certainly no different. We are commanded and called by God in the Scriptures to to struggle and to labor in prayer. Just like everything else in life, we have to work at it. We have to be about it. We have to do it and to labor at it. We're called to do it, even though it's not easy. Thirdly, we're called to have an awareness in prayer. We need to have an awareness that when we go to God the Father in prayer, when we pray, we're to acknowledge and recognize that we are praying to an almighty, sovereign God. The almighty, sovereign God of the cosmos who calls us to bring our prayers and our petitions and our thanksgivings and our confessions and our supplications all to him. Even though he is sovereign, why would we pray? Because that is the means that he has ordained in the life of his church that he will will and act according to his good purposes. Prayer is the means that God has ordained in our lives. We are called to do it. Fourth and last, we need to be encouraged in prayer by these verses from Romans chapter 8. We need to be encouraged that the Spirit helps us, that the Holy Spirit of God intercedes for us in our prayer. What a blessing. And so let us praise God. For the Lord Jesus Christ, who intercedes for us before God the Father. And let us praise God for the Holy Spirit, who works in us in such a way that when we are weak, when we don't know what to pray for, He is strong and He makes us strong, even in prayer. May we always praise Him and thank Him for it. Let's pray. Our God and our Father, even now we acknowledge that we are weak and distracted. Maybe even some of, some of us have fallen asleep. And yet again, there's a reminder that we need you. Oh, how we need you. We need your work in our lives. We need the reminder of the gospel. We need the reminder of our baptism this morning. We need a reminder of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives. We need a reminder that when we are weak, O Lord, you are strong. That your power is perfected in our weakness because you teach us to rely upon you and you alone. And so, Lord, help us. Help us, we pray, even in our prayers. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.